Hello, Dave. Hello, Ollie. How are you, old bean? Oh, very well, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, thanks very much. Having ridden my little bicycle at breakneck speed in order to get home to the People's Republic of North Somerset to record this thing here with you, what we are recording. Very nice. And what we are recording is Sustainable number Ray. 16. Welcome to our little podcast where we talk about the environment and politics and confusing stuff and difficult stuff and why can't it be easy What have we got this week, Dave? Well, we have got a couple of big things going on. We have got a dirty, stinky air and some sustainer babble that attaches itself to it. And we have got the little teeny tiny matter of the election, which is happening this week and may, just may, be talked about in the news a little bit. Very good. Well, let's crack on. Oh, before we do, we should say that we both work for environment charities, um, but this is our thing, not their thing. So if we say anything that you think is naughty, slap our wrists and bottoms and not theirs. Okay? Very good. Let's go. Sustainable of the week. So, sustainable of the week. Every week we have a little look at some of the stuff which has been said in the name of going green and it's usually rubbish and we say so. What have we got this week? Well, this week a thing has happened which is actually pretty blinking important and people may have seen it. It was a ruling by the Supreme Court which is like all of the most important judges when they all get together and like they have a fight and they choose <laughs> who is the most important of all of those arm wrestle you know i think whatever. it's they're the biggest ones as well aren't they don't you have to be like the tallest and widest and, and with fattest. deepest voice yeah that's right whoever is the, the the fattest and the richest and you know whoever's left standing at the end of the of the arm wrestling session that's the supreme court and they said this week that the uk's air is disgusting and that the uk must take urgent steps to tackle air pollution in cities by the end of this year, it must set out what the hell it's going to do about the fact that the UK's air is, like, illegally dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, which is... That's good, right? Well, it's, it's... Depends how you look at it. I mean, it's a good ruling, right? It's, you know, it's great. And uh, the, the uh, law firm Client Earth, who do some really seriously good stuff, have taken this one all the way to the Supreme Court. And it's a really, really... It's a, it's a great ruling. It's kind of a shame that you have to take the UK government to court and beat it in the highest court of the land so that you know you force it to stop choking kids to death with the air that we emit in this country it's kind of kind of a shame isn't it yeah i mean i mean it's nice that they did it not so nice that they had to do it and i had a little look at some of this earlier in the, in the year and in some cities in in the uk london birmingham and leeds the air is not predicted to be clean enough to be safe until at some point after 2030. So little Arabella, were she to be living in Leeds or Birmingham or, heaven forbid, London, um, would be 20 years old before that air was deemed safe at the earliest. It's shocking. 
It is. And so. We talked about this uh, back here, but, uh, when you were at your rantiest, if I may say so, some fine ranting form back in episode 14, looking at the manifestos much. when the Conservatives had pledged that they would continue to do even more on air pollution, despite the fact that that doesn't make any sense because they weren't doing enough in the first place and you can't carry on doing even more. <laughs> but um, what it means in practice, this ruling, is going to have to do something about cars. In particular, what you're going to have to do something about is diesel cars. Mm. Right? Now, I am not a motoring mechanic, as you know. Um, <laughs> Failed fail my exams. Um, not- you're, uh, yeah, you're, you're very much not a motoring mechanic. You're more a cycling, vegan, environmentalist living in Bristol. It's, it's, you know. Yeah, yeah, there is Which a continuum. Is, I, I pass no judgment on, but it's, it's, it's not a motoring mechanic. Yeah, there's a sort of continuum, isn't there? That's got big swarthy men uh, underneath cars at one end of it, and me limping along failing on my bike at the other end of it. I, I know which side I'm. I, I, I know who I am. I know where I stand. But um, <laughs> what happened was about 15 years ago, anyone who drives a car in the UK will know that they changed the way that car tax works, specifically a sort of tax called VED, vehicle excise duty, which you pay every year, and that was to encourage people to drive greener cars greener meaning emitting less carbon dioxide right Mm, so they tinkered with the rates and if your car is smaller or emits less co2 you pay less tax right very good thing i think that's a good idea all things being equal do you think that's a good idea i think it's a good idea yeah so it's a good thing but what happened was you see when you made car companies do that they made diesel cars instead so diesel cars emit a lot less carbon dioxide but they do emit instead Little teeny weeny particles and nitrogen dioxide which go into the lungs of children and turn them green and make them cough, right? And mm. kill 7,000 people a year and generally uh, make your air stinky, right? Bad side effect. Bad thing to have happened. So the car companies are now looking like they're going to have to do something about diesel as well. And I think it's fairly safe to say they haven't quite got their head around it yet, have they? No, no. Well, shall we, um, shall we have a little listen to what Mr BMW had to say? As far as the ruling is concerned, we do need to take a look at that. You think? You think you have to take a look at it. You reckon that this new law, which says the thing you make kills people and that's illegal, you reckon you have to have a look at that? You think? Well, you think? <laughs> It will feature in the Monday morning meeting, won't it? Yeah. On the AOB. Uh, oh, <laughs> sorry. W- one other thing. <laughs> so, sorry. Hate to bring this up. Uh, what we're making is illegal. What should we do about that? Um, Who's he? Who's he? <laughs> Who let him in here? Suck him immediately. I've got to say, right? So, that obviously, it's not classic babble. It's just a company that's basically gone, oh, Evans, what are we going to do now, right? But I do have a... I've got a teeny tiny little baby bit of sympathy with the car manufacturers here, right? Only a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I'll tell you why only a little bit. But they were told for years to make their cars less CO2 intensive. So they went out and did that, right? Uh, and they did that by making diesel. And now they've been told they can't have diesel no more either. Um, and it must be it must be kind of frustrating, you'd imagine. Um, well, yeah, kind of frustrating. But I imagine they've also got the odd scientist kicking around. And, you know, the, at least one researcher who could have a little look into the various impacts on human health of the stuff spewing out the back of their cars and could possibly have gone of their own accord. Do you know what? This polluting stuff is quite polluting and does bad things to people's lungs and kills them a bit. Maybe we shouldn't do it. 
Um, to which the response may have been, ah, but there isn't a rule telling us we have to do it, or mm. rather that we have to not do it, so we are not going to not do it. Um, but mm, I don't know. I struggle to be that sympathetic with some of the massive manufacturing car companies in um, in Europe. And this is the, the reason why I've only got a teeny tiny bit of sympathy with them, because they have been dragged kicking and screaming, these car companies, to make their cars you know, as clean as they now are, which still they have a way to go. They have fought tooth and nail against every single bit of European regulation that's come in on this. They have lobbied and they have fought and they have tried to get every single thing watered down and they've talked about leaving the country. And honestly, you really would struggle to find an industry that has complained quite so much about regulation as the car industry has. So I don't have a huge amount of sympathy. If they got on and done it at the speed required, then maybe they'd be further ahead with their R&D than they are now. Mm-hmm. There's um, a little bit of extra battle at the end of this quote, which um, I'll just I'll spare Arabella and read it out myself, but I don't really know what it means, but it's got some great words in there. And he, he continues by saying, there's a constant strive to remove tail by permission altogether. As far as a time frame for that is concerned, I wouldn't be so bold as to put one on that. But I would certainly point to the cars we've launched recently as steps in the right direction. Hmm. <laughs> what does that mean? You know what's happened here? This poor bloke, right? He's got into work and, uh, and, and uh, you know, the front office has called him and they said, oh, we've got, we've got a journalist on the line, just wants to talk about something that's going on. And he's gone, oh, OK, well, that must be, you know, the results of my new marketing campaign. They'll want to talk about that, won't they? And, yeah. you know, he's, or he's, he's, or he's gone, like, oh, promotion. I've been promotion. asked. I've been put to the, uh, the very front of the, uh, the company's media operations. Exciting. This is it. This is my big break. Yeah, and then what's happened is a journalist has gone, that thing you make, that's illegal. What are you going to do about it? And he's kind of gone, oh, um, shit. <laughs> Something at some point. <laughs> Something. Mabes. Engage babble. <laughs> <laughs> So it probably escaped your attention, because I know you don't pay much attention to politics or the news, um, but there's going to be an election going on. Did you know that? Bloody hell. Yeah. What sort? It's a general election, which is, for our overseas listeners, it's when we basically elect a new government. Mm. Uh, yes, and it's I should be spending less time on Twitter. It's the sort of thing I really ought to know about. Yeah, you probably should know about that, really. Um, It's going on this week. It is happening on Thursday. So depending when you listen to this podcast, it may have happened. And everything you're about to hear will seem naive and silly because uh, the UK Independence Party will have won and and Britain will be in the process of having the Channel Tunnel dismantled um, and being steadily pushed out into the middle of the Atlantic. Banning Um, French fries. Yeah, that's right. Banning French fries and um, stuff like that. And... One of the things that seems almost certain is actually going to happen as a result of this election is no one's going to win, right? Mm. Um, which may seem kind of odd, but uh, what's a bit like cricket? It's a yeah or love. <laughs> Crikey! <laughs> put, should I put some? Hang on, hang on. I've got some music. Yeah, that's better. Carry that's better. On. Yeah, that, that's that's more <laughs> fitting. Um, so, what happened last time, five years ago? Something kind of unusual in British politics is we didn't have one party forming a government. We had two. 
we had the Conservatives and the Liberal Democrats who loved each other very much in a special way and decided to get married for five years. Um, and they, everyone thought, including me, they thought this won't last five minutes, they will kill each other. Turns out they didn't. They got on like BFFs and managed to keep the country um, going for five years, depending on who you on your definition of keeping the country going. So that was that was then. Um, and that was a coalition. And the idea of coalition, I think, for people was a bit kind of, ooh, crikey, not sure about that. And we're probably going to have a similar sort of thing happen again, aren't we? Probably. Well, um, I'm not sure what we are. I think okay. it's going to be a bit even, even weirder than that. Because, right, and I'll stop me from getting too geeky and detailed about all this. Um, You're getting too geeky and detailed about this. Yeah, that's very good. All right, uh, point taken. Okay, so there are um, 650 MPs, right? Or rather, there are seats for 650 MPs. And uh, to be in charge, you've got to have over half of them. And although people who do polls will tell you that it doesn't tell you anything, they're all saying that neither of the big two parties, Labour or the Conservatives, are going to get anywhere near the number needed, over half of those 650 seats, to win a majority. Fair enough. But what's interesting this time is that their friends, the Liberal Democrats, don't look like they're going to win very many seats at all, certainly not as many as they did last time. So, for instance... The projections are that the Conservative Party couldn't team up with the Liberal Democrat Party again to get more than half. Neither could Labour and the Liberal Democrat Party should the Liberal Democrat Party suddenly decide that they like Labour a bit more. And then you start looking at these kind of crazy combinations of all of the smaller parties um, or you go for the, uh, the sort of orange Scottish... Uh, ginger Scottish, really, isn't it? Uh, elephant in the room, which is the Scottish National Party, because they, despite trying to uh, carve themselves off from the UK a few months ago, look like they're going to win an awful lot of seats in Scotland. And that could mean that it is really only they, in combination with one of the other two parties, who could make a sort of workable government, but they still might not have half. So I think it's it's really, really weird and um, you, what, what may well happen is that the party that wins the most seats can't find anyone else to be friends with it or not sufficient numbers of other parties and MPs to be friends with it to form a workable government. And so the party that wins the second most seats might be able to make more friends and, have, and be in charge. Is that clear? I think it's really clear. So what I think I've heard is basically no one's going to win and that what it's all going to come down to is the Scottish National Party, right? Yeah. Pretty much. And we yeah. talked about the Scottish National Party last time in Babel 15 and uh, yeah, kind of uh, in passing talked about the fact that they've got really, really, really good policies on the environment, which is wanting to be entirely 100% renewable and kind of slightly worrying, not so good, bit tricky policies about wanting to suck every single drop of oil and gas out of the North Sea and mm. sell it. Mm. Um, and I have a question for you, and uh, I want to know what you think. The question is this, right? Five years ago, the Liberal Democrats came into the government as the small party with a pretty green set of policies, right? Yes. Well, and, yeah, and we, we uh, you know, you look at their manifesto from 2010, 
Yeah. Um, Which I do all the time. <laughs> yes, so it's by your, by your bedside table, isn't it? Under your pillow. Um, and it had lots of green things in it. And of course, bearing in mind that at the time they'd never been in government. So they mm. were um, a bit like the Green Party are now. They're free to, to write down whatever they like, really. The stuff that they think is important. No particular risk of having to enact it. Or so they thought. Yeah, and they got into government and then they suddenly found that they had to do something about it. And a question I've got is this, right? Not particularly looking at the Liberal Democrats in particular, because, you know, this is very quickly going to be old news. But do you reckon you can, if you go into government with a whole load of Green policies, say like the Green Party managed to get a seat in the government or the Scottish National Party have an influential role, if the main party that you're up against, that you're, you're in government with isn't that bothered about green stuff, what's the best you're going to be able to do, do you think? Like, how do you think it's going to play out? Because you could be really critical of the Lib Dems for not achieving very much green stuff, but they're really ferocious in defence of what they have achieved. And they've, they're saying about the environment, as they say about a lot of other stuff, well, but just imagine what it would have been like if we weren't around. You know, the Conservative Party would have installed bull mastiffs at the feet of every oil and gas terminal to stop people getting anywhere near it, and they would have dug up the entire north of England and turned it into a, a fracking nest and all of that sort of stuff. So, I don't know, long-winded question, what do you reckon? Uh, well, I'll give you a long-winded answer then, if you're going to give me a long-winded question. Well, go on, yeah. I'll give you a long-winded <laughs> response to your long-winded answer, and by the end of it, nobody will be listening. I think it is genuinely difficult. I think you have to be incredibly clear what your red lines are, um, by which I mean what are the kind of two or three things on which you will not compromise and you will fight to the death. Um, and because I've heard a few too many times from Liberal Democrats in this parliament, oh, well, look, you know that we support this and we would love to do it if we were in government, but we can't be. You have to trust us because this other thing which is coming up further down the line, we're going to really hold out on that, right? Um, you know, we've got something up our sleeve. And that isn't really how politics works, I think. I think every decision that is made in government is made on the basis of the very particular kind of circumstances, political circumstances there and then. Each side is looking at, can we win this fight in in then here and now? They're not really thinking, okay, well, we'll let the other side have their little thing here and then we'll ask them to nicely let us have our thing in a couple of months' time. That's just not how it works. It's it's brutal and it's fighty and it's unpleasant, um, which is one of the reasons I like being on the outside of it and not on the inside of it. So I think you've got, if you're going to go into a coalition, yeah, obviously it's hard if you're massively outnumbered. you just got to say from the outset, these are the two things that we just won't budge on. We won't support you on anything. We'll break the coalition if you um, if if we don't get away on these two things. I don't want to dwell on the on the Lib Dems too much because I I genuinely think that come the eighth of May it'll be a lot more interesting what the Scottish National Party have got to say than than um, than the Liberal Democrats, and that's not from a position of um, of any particular bias. I don't, apart from anything else, I'm not in Scotland, um, but the maths looks very much like they will return around 50 MPs, and Lib Dems will return somewhere between 20 to 30. So, um, you know, they're the important ones. But you see, I'd have a bit more faith that all of this might work out all right if the environment had been a kind of bigger issue in the election 
campaign than it's been, but it really hasn't been, has it? I mean, there was um, a poll the other day. Are you going to tell me off for saying the word poll wrong again, aren't you? Uh, there was <laughs> no, a poll. I just like it now. An opinion poll. <laughs> I can't poll. help it. I weren't brung up proper. There was a poll the other day which uh, said that, of, uh, just spontaneously asked people, what what do you think hasn't got, uh, so it's a YouGov poll, national poll, what do you think hasn't got enough coverage? And the environment was top. So the fact that it isn't getting enough coverage doesn't really make me think it's going to be top of anyone's shopping list. And when they're all sitting around doing their deals and working out the things they're going to bat, go to bat for and what they're going to buy each other cakes about and what they're going to kick each other's bottoms about, I, I don't have a great deal of faith that anything to do with like badges or bees or the ugly fish is going to be in there at all. Inhoff of the Week. So, Inhofe time. Uh, Jim Inhofe, a man with a snowball and a point to prove, is the uh, the reason we have this section. This week's Inhofe of the week um, is the country Norway. Oh, Norway. <laughs> yes, way. Norway, you... Oh. Norway's usually held up as a nice place, isn't it? Progressive, tax-heavy, but mm-hmm. do lots of good things with their taxes. High tax, high welfare, they call it, don't they? Um, people are very happy there. Beers cost a lot of money, I understand, but people have a lot of money. Inequality, not too bad. Uh, and they do all this stuff, of course, off the back of massive revenue from oil, as I understand. But they're reckoned to be a good a good bunch, a good sort. Well, not anymore, Norway. Uh-oh. Not anymore. And particularly your bloody environment minister, whose name is Dave. Oh, I don't know. Do I? I pronounce Norwegian. It says here, Tina Sundtoft. But as far as I know, that's pronounced something else entirely. Let's call her Tina Sundtoft. Okay, we'll call her Tina Sundtoft. And this Sundtoft. this story is a, a couple of days old, a couple of, uh, yeah, about Sundtoft. a week or so old, actually. But <laughs> we'll keep going. Uh, but they are planning to do a bit of mining, and not just a little teeny-weeny bit of mining, a massive bit of mining for stuff that can be put in paint and plastics. And I think it's called rutile. It's a pigment, titanium mineral. And, you know, mining, not great, whatever. But the way they're going to do it is they're going to blow up a huge amount of mountain to get get this stuff. And what do you know about what what geographically is famous about Norway, Dave? Um, Snow? Right. Go back to geography school and, uh, and learn again. It's fjords. Oh, beautiful, my. beautiful fjords. What a fjord, Very Tolly. deep, crystal. Oh, you know, lakes. They're not lakes. They're not lakes. They're like they're like crenellations on the outside of the coast, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They are. They are sort of fingers of of icy water that look a bit like Scottish locks. But they're very beautiful, and they contain lots of cod and salmon. But soon, thanks to Tina. Stuff. Um, they are going to be full of mountain because six million tons a year of crushed up mountain yeah. is going to be dumped in these fjords, um, which the fishing industry is not particularly happy about, and neither is the environmentalist lot. Yeah. Or the fish. Are there any ugly fish living in the fjords? Well, it will be soon because they reckon cadmium, the heavy metal, is uh, is going to get released. So I'm sure all the beautiful, stunning um, salmon beauties will soon be cousins of the ugly fish. 
Oh, crikey. I think they. Uh, this is quite terrifying. I've got, I've got in front of me here the press release from the Norwegian government, which, of course, it being Norwegian, is in English because, you know, they speak English better and, they, better yeah. than what we do. <laughs> it's <like the> outward looking <laughs> and um, able yeah. to learn more than one language as a child. And there's some, there's some wonderful babble in here, actually. Really, really is. So they, they say they have the environmental impacts of the planned sea disposal site in the Fjord Fjord. It's called the Fjord Fjord. That's <laughs> great. Um, have been thoroughly examined and alternative sites have been considered. Blah, 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 blah. So we decided we're going to lop the top of this mountain, grind it up into tiny bits and dump it onto all the fishes. Mm. Um, I think that deserves null poids. <laughs> So the uh, the Nordic mining boss, uh, the boss of the company planning to do this, is also engaged in some um, some classic babble and bring out your klaxon, Dave, because here comes long term growth. That's right, everybody. The Angobu Rutile project will strengthen Norway's position in the titanium feedstock industry and support regional development and long term growth. Not for the salmon, it won't you in half. Yeah, so fairly grim all round. Uh, just uh, thank you very much to our uh, Twitter friend Rosa Ragenhild for putting that out to us. We are not as on top of Norwegian fjord news as we should be, but now we have uh, our very own follower from Norway who's telling us all about it. Thank you, Rosa. Sorry for what's happening to your fjords, um, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to do our little teeny tiny little bit to make people cross about it. Reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. I'm going to stop shouting and be cheery and be upbeat because um, in in a genuinely wonderful development, um, some students, or in particular, uh, one student at the Anglia Ruskin University, um, near where I grew up, has made a statue, a 2.2 metre high memorial um, to the named climate, <laughs> to, to climate change deniers. Um, and it's, it's really rather wonderful, isn't it? And it has dripping in oil, the inscription, lest we forget those who denied. Um, features, among others, some luminaries of climate change denial in the UK. You might know them, dear listener. Nigel Lawson, um, Mrs. Uh, lovely TV chef's dad. Uh, Christopher Monckton, not a Lord Monckton. Owen Patterson, no longer the uh, climate, the uh, environment minister. Inhofe. And other um, other lovelies like James Dellingpole and Christopher Booker. Inhofe. So I'm pleased. Yes, uh, I'm pleased about this. I think it, I think these people need calling out. And I've often, I've thought about this quite a lot. You know, these climate denying, climate skeptic. Oh well, hang on, wait a minute. Shouldn't we just think about this? These people, they are going to be judged so harshly by history, aren't they? Like, the, the, there's no possible set of circumstances that I can see in which the people fifty or a hundred years from now are going to look back on something that was pretty much established as scientific certainty, where the world wasn't doing enough, and look at the people this handful of libertarian knee-jerk numbnuts and look at them and say, (laughs) those guys were great. I cannot see us, even if climate change turns out not to be as bad as we thought it was, even if we work out how to fix it tomorrow and we manage to turn thin air into something that can save the planet, even if that happens, we're not going to look back on these people and say, no, you're right, we we were being too cautious about the future of the planet and all the life on it. You're right. We were worried far too much about making sure we had somewhere to live. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think it's great. You know, it's it's right to start making these people look ridiculous because they are ridiculous. Old. It is. It is. Although I think it's it's possibly more right to make them look irrelevant. Uh, my only slight qualm with this is that it sort of gives them the oxygen of publicity and and notoriety that they sort of thrive on, and. I, I kind of hope that actually in 50 to 100 years' time, people are looking back and have no idea what these names, these collection of letters mean because the, the individuals they represent are just consigned to total insignificance. That would be my, my preference. Just like Michael Jackson, Jimmy Savile, they will look back <laughs> oh, at God. certain figures from this period in history and they won't believe they were real. Well done, James Dellingpole. You are going to be viewed in history alongside Jimmy Savile. <laughs> Election news. Election news. We've already had a feature on the election, but one's never enough because not enough people are talking about the election as we featured. This week, Millie Brand, a clever play on words between Ed Millie Band and his arch nemesis, the comedian turned activist uh, Russell Brand, who had him in his kitchen. Apparently, the, the, hum- the humble kitchen has become an incredibly important feature of this election, weirdly. That won't make any sense to people who aren't political junkies, but never mind. Uh, Anyway, Russell Brand invited him into his kitchen, gave an interview with him, and the Conservatives, David Cameron in particular, said, I haven't got time to be interviewed by Russell Brand, and Russell Brand is a joke, Um, to which Twitter responded rather brilliantly, tweeting pictures of David Cameron hanging out with such lovely, serious people as, um, oh, what's that apprentice person who's really horrible, Katie Hopkins. Oh, yeah. And, Jeremy Clarkson um, and Jeremy Clarkson and Rebecca yeah, Brooks yeah. and all the other lovelies. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he um, he did that thing that Tony Blair did and went all estuary. Started talking a bit like you uh, and sort of dropping estuary, his, <laughs> dropping his T's and and saying ain't a lot. But um, there's been a huge amount of column inches generated discussing whether or not it was a good strategic move and saying, well, when Russell Brand reaches out to a lot of young, slightly disillusioned voters in a way that, you know, Newsnight doesn't. Someone else pointed out that Newsnight's got about 550,000 viewers and is derided as being irrelevant. And Russell Brand's video of Ed Miliband has been seen by about 550,000. So, Mm. you know, take it from that where you will. It's pretty interesting, though, isn't it? Because Russell Brand, who's been banging on for ages about you shouldn't vote, it only encourages them. Or actually, to be more fair to him, you shouldn't vote because none of them are worth voting for, which is actually his line. He's actually changed his tune. Uh, Last week came out in support of Caroline Lucas, the Green MP for Brighton Pavilion, who's facing a bit of a scrap as the only Green MP to hold on to her seat, um, and said, actually, you know what? Go and vote for Caroline, who also actually uh, had about, uh, was it 20 uh, well-known people from the environment world endorse her as well mm, mm. um so i thought the most interesting thing about the russell brand thing actually is that that he is after so long saying they're all the same he's actually come out and said no they're not and you know i don't have uh, i'm not able to express an opinion on whether or not that is a legitimate comment other than it is interesting isn't it mm, my chin is being stroked mm. my interest is peaked i can see that from here Prediction time. Prediction time. So every week we have a little look at our crystal balls. Polish them up, whack them on the table, see what's in them. And well, first of all, we should see what you predicted last week, shouldn't we, Dave? Because um, you did a bit of a bit of a me and got a tad specific. You predicted, if I'm right, that at some point <laughs> during the 
what five hours of coverage of the of the London Marathon, mm. uh, somebody would be pictured running along in an Earth suit. Mm. Yeah. Well, even as the words were tumbling out of my gob last week, I thought, <laughs> actually, this is a blinking silly prediction, isn't it? Uh, so I did. I've done a lot of scouring, Ollie. I have, unlike you, I haven't just gone. Meh, I can't be bothered even to check this. Ha ha! What a joke I am, right? I've actually what do you mean, gone. Unlike me, have you any idea how long I spent scouring that environmental audit committee? CCTV, practically video of it. Oh, How enough. dare you? Oh, you're, you're very right. Then again, you did just accuse me of being an estuary, which is not a, <laughs> not a derogation. I'm going to yeah, I thought you'd been bristling a bit since I yeah, said that. <laughs> I have. Uh, I'm blinking Av, mate, and no mistake. Tell you, I'm blinking Nora. Right, but uh, I, yeah, I said someone addressed as a planet Earth. I haven't seen anyone dressed as a planet Earth. I've seen your rhino. Someone always does it as a rhino. I've seen some pandas, people raising money for the woofers. I've seen, I didn't see anyone as Rolf Harris either, so I was kind of right about that. <laughs> Um, but no I didn't see anyone as a planet Earth so I'm prepared to concede it and although you know if someone out there has seen any pictures or video footage of a planet Earth trotting around the London Marathon let me know and I can posthumously claim a point Alright so I've got a prediction very simple one Ed Miliband's going to be Prime Minister that's my prediction That's your prediction is it? Yeah Yeah. Okay Uh... Not saying that's what I want to happen I'm just saying I think it's going to happen. Okay, point of order. By when is this prediction going to come true? I'm going to say by the 14th of May, Ed Miliband will be Prime Minister. Right, which means there's quite a high chance that your prediction of the thing that's going to happen in the next week won't happen, in which case I'm going to win. Yeah, fair point. So that was Sustainable 16. Uh, The last one before uh, the election, the last one with modern life as we know it carrying on. Um, Thank you, Mm. listener, for listening. Um, Thank you, Ollie, for ollieing. Thank you, Dave, for daving in all your your finest estuary. Uh, Thank you, Arabella, for your not estuary. And thank you very much, as ever, to Dickie Moore and the wonderful Bearcraft for our music, what we play at the beginning and the end and plinkety-plonkety bits in the middle. Indeed, as always, you can get in touch with us, as uh, quite a few people have done this week. Thank you to Joanne Daly for your email. We are going to have a good look at that and get back to you. Uh, you can email us hello at sustainababble.fish. We're on Twitter at the Babble Wagon. Find us on Facebook, which I'm sure you can do. Um, and if you like us on any of the outlets which you listen to us on, us, give us a review or a like or something like that, because it just makes us all the harder to ignore for everyone else. Excellent. All right, Dave, we'd better go. I will see you next week. Very good, all. Have a good week, Old Bean. Thank you, you too. Bye. Bye. That's the second podcast in a row we've got Jimmy Savile in. (laughs)